Welcome to another episode of So You Can Hear Me When I'm Gone. In this interview, we talk with our cousin Stacy. She has an unflappable excitement and charisma to her energy, and we're really glad she could come on the show with us. We had a little pre-show discussion, and then we just dived right in. Stacy started a blog several years ago dealing with low histamine, which has grown in popularity to over 100,000 views from mothers all over the world. Stacy's daughter, Rosie, is a low histamine baby, and this is a bit of their story. We wanted to talk about low histamine baby, of course. And how that all got started. So just give us general, like, yeah, very, so, just brief overview. And then, and then we can jump into that if you want. Yeah. Okay. So, um, low histamine baby all started with my youngest Rosie, who is now three. Um, so she was born five weeks early and, and she was in the NICU for 12 days, which was the longest 12 days of my life. Um, but um, once we got through that, I was like, she was home and everything was awesome. I was so happy. Um, and then about six weeks later, she started, um, having screaming fits. So kind of like colic. Right. And before that, um, when she was in the NICU, like from like day two, she had a rash on her bottom and, because right I was the mom and I wasn't getting to take complete care of my baby I was like they are not changing her diaper enough at the NICU right like I would do a better job because she's my child and I was totally wrong about that it had nothing to do with how often they changed her diaper because she had that rash from two days old until she was uh I think about three or four months old before we could get rid of it. Holy and smokes. yeah, wow. Yeah. And by the end, it was like a scary open sores rash. And so, anyways, about six or eight weeks in, she started having screaming fits. And and in the night, even when she would sleep, she would make these little like grunting noises, like, mm, mm, you know, and it was like my other babies didn't do that. And it was like, it sounds like she's in pain, you know, but, but we didn't really know why or what. Um, yeah. It's she, all new. Everything's a first with this one. It's not like any of your yeah. kids you're trying to diagnose. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Oh, my third, I've got this. Like I know how to breastfeed. I know how to like change diapers and dress kids and do the whole thing. And everything <laughs> was different with her. You know, she was in the uh, she was born in the hospital instead of a birth center. She was early and she was in the NICU, and it was just like I know nothing. And we had a really hard time with nursing um, because they just, when they're early like that, they just they can't even stay awake for one thing, and it's really hard for them to nurse um, to learn how to do that. That's actually she was off the she was on a CPAP and oxygen for her lungs to finish developing. She was only on that for four days. So the rest of the eight days in the NICU was just her learning how to eat before she could come home. Um, Yeah. So anyway, so she was having rashes, then she started having these screaming fits. So I was working with my doctor and she recommended starting, you know, an elimination diet and cutting out dairy, which I had mostly cut out a lot of anyways, because I don't tolerate it very well. And then gluten and egg and, you know, peanuts and soy, like the top eight allergens. So that started our whole, whole process of elimination diets, which like the NICU elimination diets and all of that stuff, I could spend like hours talking about because it was such a crazy experience. But um, one of the things that I learned in all of these experiences is um, that the Lord has a plan 
And a lot of times his plan looks different than our plan or what we thought it was going to be, right? Like we're really good at being like, well, I'm pretty sure the future's like that. You know, like COVID's taught us that, right? Like we all thought we knew what 2020 was going to be like and that it was totally <laughs> different. What but, happened in 2020? What do you mean? Oh, yeah. You know, like just a pandemic, no big deal. <laughs> um, but the the amazing thing was, and like I was saying during our commercial break, um, <laughs> I had this when Rosie was, um, when I, when my water broke and I knew that I was going to have Rosie early, I got this really strong sense of peace and this feeling like, like I thought something had gone wrong, but the Lord like told me, he was like, no, this is my plan. This has been the plan the whole time. And I've prepared you for it. And so when we come up against these challenges that feel like they're out of nowhere and that something's going wrong, really what I've learned is like, this is just part of the plan and nothing's going wrong. And like negative emotion and suffering is part of the human experience. And even though it's hard, it can be the part of our human experience that leads to the most growth and progress if we allow it to, you know? Um, And, and with, those challenges, the Lord provides the resources we need as fast as we're ready for them, right? Because <laughs> sometimes we're not ready for a resource yet. But um, so for me, one of those resources um, was um, my dear friend, Linnell, that I've known since I was like 10. I used to babysit her kids. She's a lactation consultant and she also does a thing called craniosacral therapy. And so when Rosie was in the NICU, she came to the NICU and, and worked with Rosie and she is the reason. I mean, besides like I put in a lot of really hard work, but like she made, gave us the tools so that Rosie could nurse, which ended up being vital for Rosie. Like, Hmm. I don't even want to think of what would have happened if we hadn't had that because of all of her food sensitivities that she ended up having. Um, so, so it's just kind of a, a well, I mean, trial and error really. Right. I mean, Oh, let's, let's, let's try this food. Oh, it didn't work because (laughs) of this reaction. Let's try this other one. Right. I mean, or is it a little bit more? Yeah. So that's, it's really trial and error because, and it's so, it, it's so complicated. The human body is incredible and really complex and food affects so much more than we want it to. Let's just say, because we all really wish we could just eat whatever and it wouldn't matter, but it really does affect so many of the processes in our body. So, um, yeah, for Rosie, well, so this is this is the other cool thing I have to say. Um, when you're in a really challenging time, it can be hard. And sometimes it feels like you're alone or sometimes it feels like, you know, like you just want the Lord to take it away. You know, it's like, okay, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, one, of, one of the things in my patriarchal blessing says that I will have the gift of endurance and I just thought that was kind of interesting. I'm like, oh, that's like a cool gift to have. And then I realized what it meant. And I was like, wait a second. If I have the gift of endurance or if I'm, I, it doesn't necessarily say that I have it, but that I'm going to have it. I'm like, that means I have to endure things. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't want that gift. You know? Like, uh, yeah, it's like that old adage, right? You you pray for strength, and the Lord sends you <laughs> weights, right? Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And so, so this last three years has really been me earning my gift of endurance. Um, but he and this, I want to stress this so much because it's been so important to me. Um, he really provides all the resources we need to progress and to grow and to flourish in our challenges not in spite of them, not when they're over, like truly in our challenges, we can start to thrive. That's um, what I've seen. And and it also helps when you can like look back. This is where like having a journal, I really, I really love to journal and I've kept a journal for a long time. Um, I mean, it's hit and miss. I have, you know, months or weeks or whatever that I don't do it, but 
looking back and seeing where I was and seeing how far I've come and seeing how I was feeling and the experiences I was having is so strengthening to me now. And I can look and see all of these tender mercies and the way that the Lord has been guiding and directing me and and putting me in these circles of influence of like meeting these people that have filled um, this need for me, you know? It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Stace, um, uh, how often do you go back and kind of review those journals, your journaling and writing? It, I'm kind of a sentimental person. I in, I really enjoy like looking back, probably because I take all the time to write it. And I'm like, I, I'm interested in the experiences that I've had. So, I mean, maybe once a month. It depends. When I'm going through different experiences and I remember that I've so like this kind of this whole thread with Rosie and her things, I've gone back and read how I felt during those experiences like several times because, and usually a lot of times it'll be like on the year mark or anniversaries when it's on my mind anyways. And I want to go back and just look at it again. Um, so it's, it's kind of like whenever, but I look Talk- back at a few things before this. To uh, Sorry, go ahead. The few things that, that before before this happened. Oh no, I mean before this podcast because I wanted oh, to you refresh know. your mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. talk to us about a little bit about like the Lord's compensation as we go oh, through these yeah. trials and struggles. Yeah, so that's been one of the amazing things that I've seen. Probably one of my favorite things out of this experience is His compensating us. So um, when I had Rosie, typically I have really bad recovery. Well, like they're bad to me, right? Other. I have sisters who like have a baby and they're like, Oh, I feel magical. And they like are like up and walking around and feel like a brand new person. Right. And for me, I like can't even sit up for like four hours without like passing out, (laughs) like, like legitimately passing out. Um, Mm. And so, but when Rosie was born um, and then she was taken to the NICU, I was like up and walking to the bathroom, (laughs) like within, an hour and a half or two, I think it might've been two hours after she was born. And then, you know, she's down in the NICU and they took me in the wheelchair a couple of times, but like by the next day I was like walking to the NICU, which is, you know, down to like some hallways and down an elevator and down through some more hallways. So like I had an amazing recovery. And the other thing that was a miracle is that, um, I, (laughs) it's so funny looking back because I felt like I was doing it all wrong, right? Which is for all of you young women and moms out there, it is so normal, especially right after you have a baby to feel like you're just doing it all wrong and you're messing it up. Like hormones are kind of a beast. Um, mm. so, so like, because between me trying to sleep and me going down to the NICU and being with Rosie and feeding myself, which I couldn't do inside the NICU, Um, I was also having to pump because I couldn't nurse her. And so when you first have a baby, like, um, uh, nursing often or pumping often is like super important because that first week lays the whole groundwork for how much milk receptors you're going to have. So basically how much milk you can produce for the rest of, you know, the breastfeeding time. And so I had all of this like stress and drama about like, I was lucky to pump every four to six hours when ideally if I would have had Rosie at home, I would have been nursing her every hour and a half to two hours. And Mm. so I was like, oh my gosh, like I can't do this right. This is the, the really, this is the compensating part. Even within the first two times of pumping, I've always been a good milk producer, but the first few times of pumping, I was getting like amazing amounts of milk. Like every time I came down to the NICU and brought like my little bag of milk, they were like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like this is so (laughs) much milk. Like they sent me home with like two little gray tubs that were like a foot by eight inches across. Anyways, of bags of milk. I have like 50 bags of milk that I came home from the NICU with. Like I basically, I ended up making in the first like I think it was the first eight weeks I had 300 ounces of milk in the freezer 
that I was, I was like making enough to feed two nine month old babies. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, I mean, you've got this really difficult thing here that's happening and, and, and to your daughter and then stuff that had been normal for you for previous pregnancies, you know, your first two kids, you know, a, a very slow recovery, maybe not producing a, a lot of milk and suddenly, suddenly you're yeah. able to do those things. Yeah. And so I really felt like the Lord was just, it was like that tender mercy, right? He's like, I know this is hard and I'm not going to take it away, but here I'm going to help you in this way. And those blessings continued. I kind of called it like, it's like the miracle of the loaves and the fishes, right? Because like we were talking about Rosie's food sensitivity. So she was like, she had the rash, she started having screaming fits. And then she started waking up every hour and a half to two hours in the night. And that continued for over a year and a half of her waking up every hour and a half to two hours. And, um, you know, that's a lot of interruptions in the night. (laughs) And for the first few months, I was like a basket case. Well, I like, like I was so tired, right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm tired. Just, just hearing about it. Oh my gosh. That's, <laughs> that's incredible. Like, was she just in pain? Yeah. Just- well, yeah, she, the, it ties in with the histamine thing, which we found out later, but, but this was the amazing part because like now, right. She wakes me up like once in the night and the next day I'm like, Oh, I'm so tired. You know, right. Like I showed up with my loaves and fishes of like, this is how much sleep I got. And he made it enough. And I was yeah. like a fully functional human being. And I wasn't even psycho. Like, you know, like <laughs> I wasn't even <laughs> super irritable and angry at everyone. And that is a miracle yeah. to me. So. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, Nephi and, and, you know, well, Lehi, Lehi's family traveling in the wilderness. I mean, they were normally, they were able to endure things their bodies kind of adapted to be able to endure, endure this new dynamic in the wilderness there. So, I mean, our bodies are really amazing. Yeah. So, so we've got her waking up and this is all, are, are you still doing the trial and error? Food yeah. So stuff at this we, point or what we, we cut out like the top eight allergens, like for a week each anyways, I can tell you how not to do an elimination diet now that I've been through it, but we're not going to go into that. Um, And then we ended up doing like a food sensitivities, like a blood prick test that it was like, okay, let's cut out it. She's showing that she's having reactions to these foods. So that was like my first major change. This was in the end of August and she was just, it was, it was like, okay, we cut out the top eight things and none of them really seemed to make a difference except for when we cut out gluten, finally her rash went away. So we're like, okay, gluten's a problem. So that was so relieving to like solve that rash thing because it it was bad. I mean, like open sores, it was scary. Um, that's, that's the other thing, right? I mean, it, a lot of this is, yes, it's trial and error, but it's also not immediate, right? I mean, it, it no. take the body a little bit of time to react to, okay, well, let's try no gluten, right? So you try that and you have to try it for, you know, not necessarily a lengthy period, but enough for the body to react, right? Or am exactly. I- and most most average pediatricians will take will tell you to take it out for a week and then see how it goes. Your body actually needs longer than a week, and with dairy, it needs six weeks before it will oh, wow. recover from the symptoms. Yeah, that and is, so that is incredible. Wow. Yeah, it's a it's a long amount of time that. So that's where, you know, you can, it's like, I can tell you how not to do it now, uh, but, <laughs> but cutting out the wheat, we saw a difference with that within like five to six days though. When I got serious about it, um, it was so funny because I've had friends who've like gone on diets or, you know, like whole 30 and, and I have always said, I will never cut bread out of my diet, like willingly, <laughs> never. And so I guess technically it wasn't super willingly, but I did it. <laughs> I would do it for Rosie. Um, yeah. Anyway, and so. Um, and to so clarify, we, like the elimination stuff, it was, I mean, you're having to do that because she's breastfeeding, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. like you're having to cut all these things and make all these changes based on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
Well, now that's so obviously the begs the follow-up question. Now, you know, once she's not breastfeeding, can you just go eat whatever you want or do you kind of have to adjust? I mean, how do, wow, that's, there's a lot. To, yeah. Uh, lot but yeah. On <laughs> yes, maybe that, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of the story. Maybe. Yes. You're jumping three years ahead of the story. <laughs> um, no, anyway. So, so we tried that, right. The rash went away in June or July. Well, fast forward to the end of August and she's getting rashes all the time again. And I was like, what? Like, I thought we had solved this problem and she was still a wreck. And I actually started having, um, well, I thought it was postpartum depression, but I actually started having PTSD um, from Rosie being in the NICU because that was super Mm. hard. Um, I didn't really, really, I mean, yeah, it was, it was traumatic. Just that separation. Like I can't, I've tried to explain it to my husband, Michael, but it's like, it is a physical, like longing, like, you know, like you have emotional, like, Oh, I just want to be with my baby. It was like a physical need to be with her. Like I couldn't sleep. Even I had been up for over 24 hours and I only slept for like two hours and I couldn't, I could not sleep. My whole body was like stressed and I couldn't hold her for like 20, 24, a little more than 24 hours. And it was just like, like my whole body was like tense and tight. And when they finally like gave her to me and let me hold her, it was like everything melted. And my body was just like, (sighs) you know, it's like. It was, it was seriously a physical sensation. And so, um, that's why. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. It, yeah. Slash. So, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Right. It's like your bodies are biologically like designed to bond with your baby, or, you know, like, like to be, want, need to be close yeah. to them. Yeah. So the baby can survive. Um, yeah. So I started having PTSD. So I, um, I like, one day I drove by the hospital and I didn't realize I was going that direction. I didn't think anything of it. Right. And I like drove by and I saw it. And then I just like, I, I started shaking and I started like feeling so anxious and kind of panicky. And I was like, Whoa, like I saw the hospital and now I'm like, my body is like freaking out. <laughs> like, yeah. It's a, I think it's called a trigger. Um, yeah. It's a traumatic response, I believe. Yeah. And so, so I started going to, um, so I started going to counseling because I was like, oh, this is a thing, you know, <laughs> like, and yeah. um, anyway, that, and that, that takes a lot just to do that, just to admit, oh, hey, no, something's happening does. here. Let me, I better go to get this checked out. That's. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a, I mean, we've, yeah, I've had experience with people with, um, you know, me- mental illness and struggles and. And some of them have waited a long time to get help. And I was just, I've always been, Aunt Tina's always said to me, because I always call her, like, she's been my counselor, right? Since I was like 12. <laughs> and I'm always calling her. And she always says, Stace, I don't like, I don't worry about you. Cause I know you're going to like, go talk, like, you're going to go find somebody if you need help, you know, <laughs> like, cause I don't like to be alone. Right. Um, but it was pretty cool because earlier that summer, I had talked to a cousin on Michael's side at a reunion who had had PTSD from childbirth. And she was sharing all of these experiences that she had. And that was one of the things that helped me realize that that was what was happening for me. And so because of her being willing and vulnerable to share her experiences, I'm like tearing up here, but like, it seriously blessed my life because I was like, oh my gosh, you know, that thing that my cousin was talking about, that's happening to me right now. Like I was super irritable with the kids. I was really anxious. I was, you know, when I drove by the hospital, I was like having reactions and I was like, okay, this is what this is. And so I'm going to go get some help. Um, so anyway, I, I wanted to say that because, um, people relationships and people being willing to be open and share their experiences is so powerful in like supporting and helping other people. Um, and they just like, my cousin had no idea that that was going to help me so much, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I totally agree. I feel connected to that statement so much. That's, it's been the same in my life when people have opened up and been vulnerable and just said, spoke the truth about how it is in their life. It's just been so rewarding 
for me so helpful in my own life. So that's really cool. Yeah. And it's really connecting too, because I think when we really allow each other, like allow others to see the real us, like you can't help, but like love and connect with that person, you know, um, at least in my experience. But so I went to counseling and I actually, um, in, in trying to find a counselor, reached out to one of my, uh, to my childbirth instructor that I had with Lincoln. Cause she's, she's a doula and she's built a whole postpartum, um, network. And she actually does this thing called birth story support, where basically she sits down and she listens to your story and she kind of helps you reframe it. So she actually reached out to me and she was like, Hey, I'm just starting to this thing. Like, do you want to come talk to me? And I was like, Yes, you know, because I absolutely adore her. And I would like I already had a relationship with her. And like, part of my reason for wanting to go to birth centers and stuff is because it's really important for me to feel connected and to feel like I'm friends with these people who are taking care of me. And like, I'm not just like this other this random person in their office that they don't that they like sure they care about me because I'm a person, but they don't have like this relationship with me, you know? Mm, Yeah. So the counseling was good and I'm glad I, I went to like four sessions, but actually I met with my friend Kindle twice and that is where everything shifted and where I figured out the thoughts and the things that I was, the struggles that I was having that was like leading to all of the, the trauma, which ironically had to do with um, breastfeeding. So <laughs> that was super interesting, but it also made sense of like why it started coming up in like September because Rosie was having so many problems. I felt like I still couldn't get it right. Like she was nursing fine, but like it wasn't working for her, you know, like she was in so much pain. Um, anyway, so, so we went and did a blood test for her. We got a whole list of things of like, okay, like, like we cut out chicken, we cut out peppers, we cut out tomatoes, we cut out, um, mustard, we cut out beans, we cut out, um, gosh. It was a big list. I'm surprised I, oh, we cut out peaches, like all of these foods, right? So that was my first like major revamp of my diet. And every time you have to like shift and, and like switch your elimination diet and start like another new diet, it's like you fall in a hole for like a few days. And it's just like crying and totally overwhelmed and discouraged. And it's like, I'm never going to be able to eat again, you know? <laughs> Like it's kind of this whole process that you go through. But then um, my amazing mother who has been by my side through this whole thing, she is my food consultant. She came over and we made the lists and we made menus and she helped me, you know, get up and keep going. Um, So, so we did that from September until April and right? So when you have a list and it's the food sensitivities, if you don't eat those, then your kid's supposed to be fine, right? (laughs) Ideally, um, she got better for about a month and then the rashes came back sporadically Uh. and she still, she like slept better sometimes, but didn't other times. And she still kept having these screaming fits. And when she would scream, she would arch her back. And so she'd be like in this back see just like screaming you know and luckily the lord provides resources right so the thing that worked for her is i would put her in the baby carrier i would like stuff her binky in her mouth and then i would just bounce and rock and hold her and so i would do this at all random hours of the day and night and it was emotionally exhausting Oh, yeah. Um, I don't even, I can't even imagine. And physically. And, but this is where um, another resource came in. So I just have to tell this really quick side story because it was so cool. So Linnell, the lady, my friend who helped me with breastfeeding Rosie and um, all of that stuff, she works with so many babies who have a lot of um, feeding problems. And one of them, had this baby who um, is basically just allergic to everything. They were trying everything they could. His He had hives so bad, like he had to be constantly swaddled. It took three people to change his diaper. And if he had his hands free, at, this is at six months old, he, within one and a half minutes, he would scratch his cheeks so badly that they would be bleeding. I mean, like 
he just had incredible struggles. Um, and they, one of the things that you can try is trying other people's milk will sometimes work for your baby. Right. And so Linnell knew that I had been producing a ton of milk. This is where the Lord, I'm getting teary again. This is where the Lord totally weaves people in and out of our lives. And he helps us to have the resources that we each need. Right. So, so Linnell was like, Hey, I know you have some extra milk. Like, do you possibly have like enough for a week to feed like a six month old baby? Do you have like 200 ounces of milk? And I did, which is unbelievable, you know, to have that amount at like Rosie was like six weeks old. Um, and so I got to meet this mom and this baby and see him and like, you know, Rosie had just started having some problems and my heart just went out to him. And I thought that would be the only time I saw him. Right. And they were so grateful that I could just give them that milk. Um, which honestly, it's like uh, the whole reason I did that is because the Lord knew that they needed it. It didn't end up helping, but it was just another thing that they could try and cross off their list. Right. So here's the amazing thing, right? Now we're into like um, September and December and March when Rosie is still having all of these problems. I reached out to Linnell and I got connected. I know I, cause I didn't have this mom's phone number, but Linnell con- connected me with this mom because she had been through all of this. Like the time when I met her, she was down to eating five foods, literally five ingredients. That is awful. And breastfeeding. So, it's a wonder baby. she didn't have. She well, she probably did have nourishment issues. Yeah, smokes. That's incredible. Yeah, and the dedication and the courage and the love of this mom was so inspiring to me. And like, like I have so much respect for her and admiration because it's been so hard. But she was just doing everything she could to try to help her baby, you know, and. With all of Rosie's food sensitivities, an issue she was having, I knew formula wasn't going to be a great option for her because there's just too much in it that wouldn't work for her. Anyway, so I got to reconnect with this mom and she has been a lifesaver to me because it, like, I had somebody who understood, right? Yeah. I mean, you got to have somebody that, well, I mean, I think it was C.S. Lewis that was, that said, you know, friends are, I'm paraphrasing, but it's, you know, friends are found when, you know, you see someone else and it's like, oh, you too? Yeah, me. Yeah, I experienced the same thing. And so suddenly you're friends. Mm-hmm. And, and so that actually, you know, so I had her and she was a great resource and she, so she gave me more resources that I needed. And so um, one of them is this um, functional medicine pediatrician doctor that we have here in the Treasure Valley. His name is Dr. Bruce and he's amazing. So we finally got in to see Dr. Bruce when Rosie was 11 months old and he looked at her food sensitivity things. He looked at her, all of her random symptoms, which were like, you know, the crying fits, the waking um, every hour and a half to two hours. At this point, she started doing something really fun, which is where she would wake up at like one or two in the morning and be up for like an hour and a half, totally wide awake, like wired. That was the worst. It was not fun. Oh, you're being sarcastic. Yeah. 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 I see. So it wasn't a good time, I guess. No, it wasn't a good time. <laughs> and and the thing was, like, I would eat foods, right? And sometimes I would eat them, and it was like she was fine. And then other times I would eat them, and she would react. I'm like, so is she, like, just getting sensitive to every food? Or, like, how come I've been eating this a bunch of times, and she's fine, and now when I eat it, she's a mess? You know, like, nothing made sense with her symptoms, he took one look at all of them and he was like, oh, well, I'm pretty sure she has histamine intolerance. And I was like, what? Oh, he that? was able to see see the commonality, the common thread through all of them. Okay. Through these different mm-hmm. things. Interesting. Interesting. And okay. the symptoms that she was having. So he was like, well, so um, you can't actually diagnose histamine intolerance. Um, like you can't like do a test, diagnostic test. The best way to find out if that's your issue is you eat a low histamine diet for like really again, the, about four uh, the elimination weeks. all over again. Mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. okay. This one really threw me through a loop. Um, <laughs> for about four weeks, and then if the if your symptoms improve, then you likely have issues with histamine, which can be caused by genetic mutations or you don't have enough of this enzyme, the DAO enzyme. Anyways, there's a bunch of, you know, it's there's a bunch of things. So, so yeah, so I leave that appointment and 
here's the real kicker, right? So he gives me this like sort of broad list of like of high histamine foods to avoid. Literally like 70% of the foods I had been eating for the past four months were high histamine foods. Oh, geez. There it is. Oh my gosh. Like no wonder she's not getting better. And actually as even though it was so hard to like switch to a low histamine diet, it like, it finally felt right. Like I, it finally explained all of her symptoms because histamine affects your skin. It affects your sinuses. It affects your emotions. That's a huge one. It's a neuro, oh, what's it called? Anyways, it's, it's the neurotransmitter in your brain. And so it, um, so it not only makes you feel or pretend, I mean, in, in Rosie's instance, it's, it makes her physically like she doesn't feel well, mm-hmm. but it's also messing with her emotions. So, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I'm sad or happy or angry for no apparent reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And wow. histamine operates in your waking cycle, right? So it wakes you up. It's histamine wakes you up. So that's why she wakes up every hour and a half to two hours. And it's mm. why she was waking up in the middle of the night. Because it's an ex- it it wakes up your brain. So when you oh, have so how old was she at this point, Stace? She was eleven she was months. Eleven months old. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so let's see. Yeah. So I've been eating high histamine this foods this whole time. But so so I was like, oh my gosh, this makes sense. Though it finally makes sense. And so, uh, but the problem is right. Like now I've had all of these foods cut out of my diet and I can't just start eating all of them again because your body would get overloaded, right? Like her body would get overloaded and be like, what is all these new foods at once? You know, and just like react to all of them. And so I had to cross, what is it called? It's not cross reference. So basically I took my elimination diet I was following and then I took the low histamine diet and then I crossed out all the high histamine foods. And so like on my elimination diet, like half of the foods that I had cut out were low histamine foods, but I couldn't start eating them yet because I had to introduce them one at a time. So I got down to 19 ingredients that I could eat. Um, Jeez, that is. Yeah. (laughs) For six weeks, I had to do that so that I then to just as a reset, I was like, okay. Like we've got yeah, a reset, here. reset and beginning of the transition for, for actually for both of you. I mean, she's still, mm-hmm. was she breastfeeding longer for, I mean, longer than normal babies would because of this or um, she did end up at that point. She's only 11 months old. It's pretty typical to, right, well, right. I mean like breastfeed to like a year or like two years is like pretty normal, even in today's society, right? Like past that's getting a little like, you know, you're pretty granola if you do, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it's not as common in our society, in other countries, it's super common to breastfeed till like three or four. Um, oh my word. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Very common. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. So, but here's the thing. So at 11 months old, she was only eating. So babies start eating food usually at about six months, which is actually when her face rash started happening and she was having more problems. Um, she only had five safe foods that she could eat at 11. months. So over five months, she could only eat five foods. Oh my word. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And she is a champion. Like she really is because this is, kind of one of those tender mercies, right? Where like the Lord has a plan for us and he compensates us. Rosie came to this earth with this challenge, totally prepared for it because other babies like just want to eat anything or everything. Right. And they get really upset when they can't have it. So like one of my nephews has some issues with dairy and there were things that had dairy in them that he wasn't supposed to eat, but he would like go after them and eat them. You know what I mean? Like he didn't care and he didn't really understand, but like Rosie has like kind of like known she has always followed like what we eat and what we don't eat and totally accepted that like she has food that she eats and other kids have food that they eat and she doesn't eat their food and it's okay. She's more conscientious, naturally more conscientious of the situation. That's interesting. Yeah. And she's, and she's like so accepting of it. She has been so 
graceful about the whole thing. And yeah, she's now, especially she's getting older and older. She has times where she's disappointed and where she wishes she could eat that food. And yet she still does it. And she understands like it's, it's pretty miraculous. Anyway, she's able to understand or determine the correlation or she just kind of intuitively, well, this is how we do food at our house. Like, Oh, I know that if I eat this, I'm going to feel bad. Well, not that she's starting, we're starting to talk about that a little bit more. And I'm trying to explain to her that I'm not just like telling her no to like be mean, you know what I mean? Like, but, but she's just very accepting of like, oh, this is my food that mom says it's okay that I can eat. And like, that's their food that they eat, you know? And, and she doesn't try to like eat other people's food. And like, even when she goes places, she asks like, well, can I eat? Is that you know, or she'll tell people, oh, like, that's not my, like, I don't eat that food, you know? Um, so, so anyway, so yeah, I got down to 19 foods and, um, and I lost a lot of weight for me. Um, and I got, I don't see how you couldn't, holy smokes. Yeah, it was, it was rough. And I actually started feeling really between September to like, May or June, I was really not very well myself. I lost weight. I was losing a bunch of hair. I got mastitis twice. I got a UTI. I was like, which was really fun because every time I got on antibiotics, it would totally wreck Rosie. Oh my gosh, it was a nightmare every time I got on antibiotics. So I was like falling apart and she was. So, anyways, it's just been like this whole thing. So I got on the low histamine diet though. And after I started, I was able to eat all the low histamine foods. I started feeling way better. And Rosie, it took about six weeks before we really saw like a solid difference for her, but she started sleeping and her diaper rashes went away. Now that's and, all just relief. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She's sleeping like all the way through the night or most of the night or. At oh, least... no, but I mean, she would sleep like three hours instead oh, wow, of yeah. like, you know, two. Um, and she just, and she stopped having those screaming fits. Like she, she, she just had them way less often. Um, that and is so, so nerve wracking. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm not, I don't have kids, but it just seems like so few times I mean, your child is screaming and, and you don't know what to do about it. And you can't, Oh wow. Jeez. That's rough. Yeah. It was, it was, it was real, man. It got really real. There was a lot of prayers going on and a lot of crying and um, another resource and this is the thing, right? Where the Lord just gives us the resources we need. My sister, Jen was in a life coaching program about like learning how to like manage your thoughts and process emotion. Right. Um, and she was like, Stace, you got to get in here and do this with me. And I'd actually been in it before, like a year before, but it hadn't really stuck. And I was like, I was like, yeah, you know, you're right. I totally need to do that again. And so I signed up to, that was in September of 2018. So like, right when I was having my PTSD and all of that stuff, that has like, I know that that was a direct gift from heavenly father because he's like, this is really hard. And here you go. Here's a tool to help you reframe your whole experience and really just learn how to like process emotion. And so the other thing I was going to say is like, I've had to get really good. So with all the elimination diets and all that stuff, the main emotion that I felt a lot of the time was disappointment, right? was disappointed that it was like this because I didn't want it to be like this. I was disappointed because I wanted to eat that food that everyone else was eating, you know? Yeah. And absolutely expectations and and just disappointment over and over and over and over again. Wow. Yeah. And so I learned to get really good at feeling disappointed and like, it's okay to be disappointed. It's part of the human experience. Just like this little weight and that I create the disappointment with my thoughts. Like, this isn't fair. I want to eat that. I want to eat that. That's sad. You know what I mean? Like, and that I could look at it from a different perspective. So this has changed everything for me and really been one of the reasons why, like I was talking to a friend one day who had just, her and her son had just recently gotten diagnosed with celiac. And she was like, you know, like, how are things with Rosie? Everyone's always asking me, how's Rosie doing? Like, is she ever going to get over this? Like, are you going to be able to eat more foods? Are you going to stop breastfeeding her so that you can like stop doing this hard thing? Right. <laughs> the questions I'm yeah exactly and it's like I was able to do this to eat only 19 foods because I had a really compelling reason 
and a really a reason that I liked, which was I want to take care of Rosie. She needs to have my she needs to be able to nurse because formula won't work with her. She can only eat five foods. Like she needs this nutrition. And I really like my reason for doing this. And that's why I was able to stick to the diet like I was, because I had a really compelling reason to do it. You're managing um, mentally your own expectations. Mm-hmm. And and so we were talking one day and I was like, you know, she was like, oh, so like, because I was just, I was like, yeah, you know, I feel really good about it. Like it, like we're okay. It's okay. It's hard. And I get really upset about it sometimes, but that's okay too. You know, it's like, it's part of being a human. And she's like, well, so can you kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel and that's making it easier? And I was like, no, like, honestly, I don't know. I don't know when or if Rosie will get over this. And I was like, I don't need to have light at the end of the tunnel tunnel. I don't need to get out of the tunnel because I'm okay in the tunnel. And that's, that is huge. It is because when we can learn to just be okay, like it's like president Nelson. And it was, this was quoted like four times at conference, right? Like, it's not about the circumstances of our lives, but about the focus of our lives. And if we can focus on the savior and on his ability to help and strengthen us, like we're going to be okay in any of the circumstances that we have. And they don't have to change for us to be able to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's been pretty huge for me. Um, anyways. Stay, oh, stay just real quick here. Take us on, give us a snapshot of where you are now. Like jump forward and just kind of where you are now with Rosie and, and where you two are. And then next- yeah. Okay. So in May, so Rosie turned three in April and in May, the, the last day, the first day of May was our last time nursing. And so she is weaned um, from the time that she was 11 months old to well anyways after we started figuring out it was the histamine thing she was actually able to get quite a bit more foods in her diet like pretty quickly because we finally knew what foods she could eat that weren't gonna like cause her so much pain you know um and so anyway so yeah we quit nursing she's eating she's fully you know she can eat enough foods that she has enough nutrition that she doesn't need to nurse anymore even though that was super hard for her she still sometimes says mom I just wish I could nurse I just wish I could nurse <laughs> you know <laughs> it was pretty it was pretty interesting like my other kids I nursed them till about 18 months or 21 months so like but doing a whole other year after that, when they're like talking and they're older, it was different, <laughs> different experience. But oh yeah, but I, probably culturally taboo here in in the states. Yeah, anyway. it, it was a bit weird. Um, but honestly, I really, really treasured that time for us together because when um, we were apart in the NICU, like both of us have just had this like we just want to be together. You know, we just need to be together because even though it was only 12 days, it was like, that was too much. You know, we just need to be together. And so we've had this special time. Yeah. So, so she's eating way more foods. And actually right now we're in the full throes of like, um, she is starting to try high, a little bit higher histamine foods and foods that the kids are eating. And so, so now all of her regular food is boring and mom, can I please have those chips the kids are eating? And I think I should try chocolate and you know, <laughs> like, so we're, we're, we're on a new path and we're figuring it out and I'm, you know, we're working through it. And, um, I actually, anyways, feel really good on the low histamine diet. I started eating like new foods after I was trying to take it really slow too, after I finished weaning her like that first week. And I got hives three times. Wow. That is rough. Yeah. So I'm actually on my own healing journey now. Cause you know, here's the other fun part about elimination diets. If you do them for too long, you mess up your own body. So, you know, yeah. it's cool, but it's been a good experience because if this had happened when Rosie was older, like if she got histamine intolerance when she was older, like base, I feel like the Lord's like, okay, I'm going to have you go through these experiences because then you're going to be able to help her better. Right. So since she was breastfeeding and I was the one eating the foods, like 
I was definitely going to learn how to make really good low histamine foods because I was not going to just eat gross food all the time. You know what I mean? Whereas if I feel like if it had only been her eating the food, I maybe wouldn't have been as motivated to find as many recipes that I have and to make as many recipes as I have. And now that I'm going through like trying to heal my own self, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go through all of this so that then I'm going to know how to help her go through all of this when it's her turn, you know? You you immediately become a resource for her, obviously, aside from the immediate, but also later in, in her life, in the future in her life. Yeah. So let's see. In 2019, in that was when she was 11 months old. In like March, we got the low histamine thing. And I launched my blog in November of 2019. Because between those months, I went through the whole grieving process. There is a grieving process when you are cutting major foods out of, even if you're just cutting dairy out of your diet, like it's very normal to have that kind of grief of like, this isn't a part of my life anymore or right now. Um, But I went through all of that. And then I actually started to thrive. And I like, I love to cook which is something that I found out since I was like 18 that I really started to like and really love cooking. And so I started trying all these recipes and I started making all these things and I made like no tomato ketchup and I figured out how to make barbecue sauce without any nightshades or soy or tomatoes. And, you know, like um, I started really loving cooking this way and making really good foods. And so I really wanted to start a blog because in my whole experience, besides a few friends, like the one friend with a baby with like severe allergies, I had not found anyone who understood what I was going through. And that was really hard for me because it was so hard. And I was like, nobody gets it. Like, no, no nobody knows there, what yeah. this is like. Yeah. And I don't like to feel alone. And so really the biggest motivator behind my blog was like, I'm going to be that person for someone else because I know that there are other people who are having this experience and I don't want them to have to be alone. Like I am here for them, you know? And so, so I started my blog and I started posting recipes and, and it's, I kind of chuckle about it because it was supposed to be more about like, like I post recipes to help people to eat low histamine, right? And also I was going to have like this whole side thing where I'm blogging about where Rosie's at and what we're doing now and the experiences we're having and the resources that were helpful. Like, yeah, totally haven't done that except for like two times. Uh, <laughs> I mostly just post recipes. Um, but on Instagram, I have connected with several moms and And like the first time I did and every time I have, it's been so special and so satisfying. And like, you know, like this is why I like, it helps me to find meaning in my experiences. Like if I'm having this experience so that I can understand and encourage and support someone else, it was worth it. See, this is what I I wanted to ask about a little bit is, is exactly what you're touching on now is how has this gone for you and how often... Does it happen that people connect with you, reach out, find your blog and, you know, look you up or find you on Instagram or Facebook or whatever and tell you like, thanks. And yeah. Yeah. So in the beginning, I, um, I would get like 10 views a week or a day or whatever. I mean, like not too much, probably like well, it actually wasn't my mom because she doesn't use the internet <laughs> um, that much. No, um, but but it just started to grow and grow. I'm trying to think the first, um, it was maybe like a month or so in when I first got, I get most of my messages on Instagram and I get a few from my email from people who subscribe to my recipes. But it's really, it's been crazy. It's really grown. Like I've had like a, you know, that, that curve, that growth curve. And so I am at the point now where I get between like three to 600 views every day on my blog from like, yeah, countries all over the world. Like I've got over a hundred thousand views on it, which just like boggles my mind. Wow. wow. 
it's really cool. And, and I have, I mean, I'm probably, I'm trying to think of people who have like reached out to me directly to say thank you. Or, you know, like I actually just got a new one that I just saw today and of this, not necessarily, um, I've had a smaller percentages of moms with babies who have reached out to me because histamine intolerance actually mostly affects women like in their like thirties and above. Um, but this one mom, she started off with me pretty soon and she had, she had a three-year-old and she just, we just connected, you know, we still message each other and like, Oh, how are they doing? And how are you doing? And like, she would send me pictures of ingredient labels. Is this safe? Is this safe? Is this safe? You know, like, so <laughs> it was really cool to be able to provide that support. And like, I just got an email, um, three or four weeks ago from a mom in Poland who wow. has a baby who has histamine intolerance. Yeah. And, and this other mom that I've chatted with and she's from New Zealand. And so it's so cool to connect with these women from across the world, you know, <laughs> Yeah, um, literally. Yeah. Um, and my I have this one this one lady who's probably like my my biggest fan. Um, she's so awesome. But she's like she's has has like the most comments on my blog and on my Instagram and stuff. And she emailed me the other week and was just like, um, you know, all of her symptoms were kind of flaring and her doctors wanted her to take this medication and she didn't know if it would work. Anyways. But at the end, she was just like, I just, she was like, I just needed to, I just needed a friend. I just needed to reach out to somebody who understood, you know? And so I emailed her back and I was like, thank you for reaching out. And yeah, you know, and so like, like we've kind of become friends and it's like those moments of connecting with other people and like hearing and seeing that they don't feel alone anymore is so like validating. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's the exact purpose you made it, right? That's got to be yeah. cool. Yeah, it is. It's really, it's been really cool. So yeah, Rosie is at this point, Rosie is doing well. Um, Really her biggest, we call them reactions that she has. Histamine's kind of like, you can imagine it like a bathtub and the drain gets clogged and, you know, the water's still pouring into the tub and eventually it starts pouring over the sides because it's not draining out, right? And when the water is pouring over the sides, that's when you start having reactions. You either have to turn off the tap or learn or figure out how to drain the tubs. <laughs> You're not overflowing your histamine levels. But her biggest reactions are emotional because histamine regulates like your fight or flight response. And so when she's having a really hard time, she will just be like, it's like she's fine. And then all of a sudden she like snaps and she's just like raging and screaming and, you know, mm, like, so Hard. it's really, yeah. really fun. Usually we like to, to ask one question as a kind of a final parting. How do you, or what do you do, or how do you find peace in life in these times? What, uh, yeah. How do you go about that? Yeah. So, um, one of the things that has really been a lifeline for me is like the scriptures and conference talks and just like the little daily filling of my heart with that, because, um, then it comes to me when I need it. Right. So actually the night before Rosie was born, I was reading the conference talks because I like to read them. And I was actually like I read, I try to read them all before the next conference, but we had just had conference and she was born and I was behind. Right. But I was on this talk and, um, it was called turn to the Lord. And I read that talk and I marked a few things and it was all about when unexpected challenges come and are we going to turn to the Lord when that happens? Or are we going to just like stand our, on our own? Right. And when Rosie was, unexpectedly born the next day. Um, that talk, uh, when I looked back, I realized I was like, that felt like a direct letter to me from Heavenly Father. He's like, look, and that was one of the things of like, I've prepared you for this, right? He's like, this is going to happen. You don't know it's going to happen, but like, here's all the tools that you can have to be able to make it through this experience. And I just had that over and over with scriptures, like one um, one quote that really helped me because in so many of the things that I've been through with Rosie, there's been so many sacrifices that just nobody sees, 
you know, nobody knows all of the personal suffering and challenge and pride that I've had to give up and emotion that I've spent, you know, all of, all of that. Um, but sister Eubank has this quote and she said, the Lord knows how hard you are trying. You are making progress. Keep going. He sees all your hidden sacrifices and counts them to your good and the good of those you love. Your work is not in vain. You are not alone. His very name, Emmanuel, means God with us. He is surely with you. And that quote has just been like a lifeline for me. And yeah, I find peace because of the Savior, because I know that he experienced and that like he's walking this path with me. He's never left me alone on it. And he's going to keep providing the resources that I need to make it through. That's fantastic, Stace. Jeez. Yeah, thanks. 